welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello. Hey. So this week, we are doing our long-awaited omnibus Ask Us Anything episode, and holy crap, you guys had a lot of questions. You know what's really funny is, like, I remember the Tumblr dashes scroll, but it's been a really long time since I've seen an Ask Box scroll on Tumblr. <laughs> I just kept scrolling. I was like, where's the bottom? There is no bottom. The bottom is endless. Pretty much. It's going to be a real intense episode. Uh, we'll see about that. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, MK is our master of ceremonies today with our Tumblr ask box. So kick it off, babe. All right. First question is from an Anon. What's a good gateway fic for someone who's very fanish but thinks fanfic is weird and creepy? Or is this a hopeless quest? I feel like... I feel like you sort of have to identify, like, what they think is creepy about fanfic. Like, I have my suspicions as to what it is. And most things, like, most things related to, like, why humans find stuff creepy, it's because we're puritanical and, like, it's the sex part that freaks them out. Yeah. So I think that if you want to get them into something, you have to find basically the greatest genfic in your fandom that you want to get them into. But then I feel like that's also... Because that's just like a tie-in novel at that point, right? But I feel like the problem is that those are very few and far between. And even if they really dig it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to like fanfic in general. They may just like that one story, which is essentially, as I said, a tie-in novel. Also, you know, if they're like, oh, I'd like to read more of this, you've basically doomed them because there might be like three in that fandom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... That's a dark place. I I just think, I understand, like, I feel like, mm, how do I put this? I feel like I get the impulse to try and get other people into your fandom or into this thing that you love. But I think we also have to, like, recognize that not everyone fans the same way that other people do, right? Like, it's... It, it goes back to, like, the way people interact with fanish products, and you're like, why the fuck would you do this? Whereas it makes perfect sense in someone else's head. Like, you can never really... You can't understand why people like one thing and don't like the other. Like, to us, it seems like a really natural extension. Like, you're a fanish. Of course you're going to want to read fanfic. But for a lot of people, like, t- totally different, you know, arenas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever. Just just leave them be and let them do their thing. I would just leave it alone. Like, if you want to read fanfic and you ask me for recommendations, like, I will hook you up. But I'm never going to be like, you have to read this if you're not already reading it on your own. Partly because, like, I think you and I have both had the experience where people have, like, continuously tried to push things on us that were like, I just, I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, this is a good point for me to add in. Like, if you're sending me Tumblr asks of recommendations, I'm just automatically deleting those, guys. I don't know. I've gotten a lot where they're like, have you read this? And I'm like, yeah, it was okay. I get it. You want me to read something or you want other people to read something, but I, like, I don't know that I, okay. So like if you, if MK came to me and was like, oh my God, you have to read this thing. It would be eight things. That's also an unsolicited recommendation. But like this bitch has known me for a really long time and you know the sort of stuff that I like. So I'm going to trust your judgment. But if you're like a total stranger, like I'm probably not going to read your recommendation, even if it's totally well-intentioned. I also have the, this is going to sound awful. Um, if you send me Rex and it's anonymous, I'm going to assume that you wrote it. Yeah, that's actually true as well. Even if it's not anonymous, I will assume that either you still wrote it or that you're wrecking your buddy. 
Yeah, basically. And I just, I don't know, I find that weird. Like, wreck it on your, your pin board, and if it comes up on my subscriptions, I will probably click on it. But if it doesn't, then, you know, maybe I'm just not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Uh, next one. Another Anon. Uh, who wants to know if we're going to do another hockey RPF or Olympics episode? And the answer is no. Partly because the Olympics are, I mean, we talked about it when the Olympics run. We're like, maybe we should do an Olympics episode. But we didn't. Part of the problem is that, like, I don't know how old this question is, but it's like, it's over. It's over. <laughs> no, we're like, oh, listen, uh, 20-something in the Hoyden are, like, deep still in the hockey fandom. I'm still really interested in hockey. I'm still watching it. But I think we've said everything that needs to be said. Well, also, I this is just, like, me being a cruel asshole, but I've really enjoyed this weekend where people are, like, apparently losing their ever-loving minds as trades go on. You and have- I'm like, that's right. That's why you don't get attached to individuals on a team. This is what sports, hashtag sports, does to you. It was, listen, I won tickets to the, like, Maple Leafs draft party, and I took um, Lee Jacka, who was on some episodes with us, and we were just sitting there when, like, one of the trades came up, and we were started freaking out. It's awful. It's the worst. Don't do this to yourself. I hate it. I'm just telling you, like, as, like, a long-term, like, fucking uh, emotionally committed to a bunch of teams that are, A, either garbage or <laughs> mess. Or, like, so inconsistent as to be infuriating, a.k.a. Chapel Hill. Or, like, just, like, drag me into the watching the fucking NBA Finals every goddamn year. Like, there is no joy here in Whoville, right? Like, this is the part of, like, I feel like there's so many new sports fans who, like, got rolled into the hockey RPF thing. And, like, as I watched you all go, I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, it's such a dark place. It's only going to be fun, like, at the beginning, right? Like, when you're winning and it's great and, like, right now it's like, yeah, we're awesome. Okay, guys, you don't remember this, but the Washington football team had a huge streak in the 90s where they were, like, the we're not the 90s, but they, they had a huge streak where they were, like, one of the preeminent football teams in the country. They are garbage. They have been garbage for, like, a decade or more now, and you're still their fan because you've committed. This is like a thing you don't shake off. Like, no, I know. I've been a Maple Leafs now, fan you since. To live with it forever. Yeah, I've been following the Leafs since I was like in grade nine. It's right? the worst. And you're just like, even when they're garbage, you still have to like care about them, and it's the worst. It is the worst. All right, we have we have to move on. Sports are the worst. Don't get into sports. <laughs> I love sports. Go Spurs! I love them and I hate them. Okay. Um, another Anon wants to know if we will do an official episode about the X-Files. I would love to do an official episode about the X-Files. Like, I'm not even joking. 100% like wet for this topic. But I have to find somebody who is like deep enough in the nerd hole <laughs> the X- with the X-Files with me. Because like, you know about it in passing. I have a bunch of friends who like sort of know about the X-Files, but, like, I want to, like, get into this in, like, a nasty way, and, like, I need someone who is, like, just as fucked up as I am and who has, like, watched the whole series three times the way I have. So, like, I'm gonna have, I have to do some digging first before we do the X-Files, and when we do, which we will, I'm gonna do this shit right. But in the interim, I have to say that for all of you who are, like, craving some X-Files discussion... I found, like, my greatest favorite new podcast ever this weekend, and it's um, 
Camille Namjani, who is, uh, I'm totally butchering that pronunciation. I'm so sorry. But he's one of the guys on Silicon Valley. He's like fabulous comedian. Um, and he is one of the podcasters on the Indoor Kids. He's created a separate podcast now um, called The X-Files Files. And it's all about, he's going through the seasons and specifically like episode by episode talking about the episodes. And they are amazing. I listened to the pilot episode of this podcast, like as I was walking around. Yes, not yesterday, but like the day before. And I was having like an inappropriate fucking public reaction because it was like, reminding me of all of my like strong capital F feels about the show. Good. Oh, the X-Files. Um, I'm, Next question. She also wanted to know uh, if we've touched on the subject of queer baiting, uh, because it's an interesting topic. We have in several episodes. I, I mean, it's the kind of thing I think you have to discuss in context of specific programs. Absolutely. Because I feel like we've definitely talked about it in the context of Sherlock and we've talked about it in the context, I think you guys talked about it in the context of Teen Wolf, right? Because I was making matzo ball soup and I was trying to ignore you assholes. Yep. Okay. And I, and I remember talking about it. I think on one of the supernatural episodes, you're right. I think it needs to be in context because in general, the whole, like the concept of queer baiting is like kind of too big or broad rather to have um, just a regular discussion on it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Next episode, Another and None. Um, who wants another books episode featuring things like the Administration series or In the Company of Shadows series? I've never heard of either of those. Same. And if those are genre books, I probably don't read them. I love genre books, but um, we actually had an episode recently that hasn't aired yet where we've been talking about, like, sometimes you get into the fanfic hole and you just stop reading books. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that happens to me a lot. Like, way more than Prue. Prue reads way more books than I do. I should read more books, but I'm like, oh, look, fanfic. Because yeah, I'll I mean, read garbage. Yes and no. I mean, like, I don't know that you would say that, like, I do read a lot. I, I feel like in terms of pure numbers, I probably read more books than you. But I still wouldn't know about a lot of modern fiction. And I wouldn't know about a lot of the books that I think our listeners read. Because I, I've said this a lot, but, like, my reading falls into two, like, really bizarre polar opposite categories where, like, I read garbage romance novels by the dozen, and I read, like, 800-page nonfiction books that have, like, separate indexes and annotations. Like, I, if you want to talk about, like, Tudor female economics, like, I'm all about that action. But I do not read, like, someone asked me the other day, they were like, have you read Goldfinch or, like, The Goldfinch or something? And they were like, it's about... It's, like, a great fiction novel about, like, a, a painting and shit like that. I'm like, oh, man... I should be really into that and yet totally dead inside about it. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, I was like, I should go home and reread my book about the economics of looting third world countries for art, whether or not it belongs in situ. For some reason, the nonfiction attracts me, but like, I, I don't know. My brain is just like, I feel like it's been this way for like the past five years where I just like, I'm like, no, no thanks. I'm just not going to read any fiction. Well, that's fanfic. No, that's fair. I went through like five years of only reading comic books. Then I did like five years of only reading like trashy mystery novels. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to start doing five years of next, but it's going to be weird. It's true. You go in and out of phases. Although that did remind me, I do read, I mean, if you count graphic novels as fiction, I do read saga and I do read, um, Hawkeye, but that's about it. I keep meaning to try Hawkeye. I just uh, haven't. It's on oh, my list. God. It's so good. Okay. So, another Anon. Hi. 
Two things I'd be super interested in for episodes about if you felt like they could foster discussion. One, international fandom. Across to media, different laws, sorry, access to media, different laws, fan community or isolation, globalization, cultural preferences, different tropes, etc., etc. And two, growing up in fandom. A lot of us apparently started on this road as adolescents around the turn of the millennium. We're adults now, and that's cool, but sometimes I don't know how I feel about the thought of watching anime and reading fanfic in my 60s. Oh my god, now I'm thinking about watching anime and reading fanfic in my 60s. Um, We'll circle back to that. Um, On the topic of international fandoms, I remember really specifically that we had started putting in the groundwork for putting together that episode, just because you and I can't really speak intelligently to it, um, because we're fortunate enough to live in North America, where access to this stuff is fairly easy and a lot of the production is in our language. Yeah. So we, I remember, oh man, it's somewhere lost in the annals of our inbox too, where I had sent out um, requests to people to say like, hey, we're doing international fandoms and these were people who are in other countries. So like if, if we emailed you about that, like look us up because I still think that that would be like a really interesting topic because we could talk about like, um, fan translations and other things. And I think specifically there are also topics in like China that you could discuss about that poor girl who was arrested for drawing like fan art or writing slash fan fiction, which was said to be morally corrupted. Yes. This is why China is terrible. Um, So I think there's a lot to plumb there. It's just one of those topics that actually takes a bit of legwork um, like the X-Files before we could really attack it in a satisfying way. But I would, at least I would be really interested in doing it because my Spanish experience straddles a lot of different mediums and a lot of different languages. Um, I just like the memory of like first getting into manga and like learning a little Japanese in the process and (laughs) having to teach myself a bunch of stuff and like to even much more recently, like getting into K-dramas and the sort of arduous, actions around that and that's like that's like just trying to get the meet the actual media right like that's not even trying to gain access to the fanish production so i think there's a lot of um i think there's a lot there we could talk about but again we would actually need people who like weren't talking out of their asses so like had we previously contacted you about that or you think you might be a good person who could speak to this like shoot us a note tell us why and um if it does work out or we figure out some timing for it we'll we'll get in touch And then for the, like, being old and still being in fandom, there are certain things that I'm like, of course I have no problem with doing that when I'm 60. And there are other things that terrify me. Like, the image of myself at 60 still watching anime, and I don't know why this, like, terrifies me. But, like, I just have this image of, like, the 18th iteration of Sailor Moon coming out and me being like, well, here goes all of my savings. Yeah, but, I mean, the reality is you would... I feel like this is one of those things where, um... This is like that argument that fandom is childish and that at some point you grow out of it. And I feel like there are pieces and there are certain behaviors in fandom and there are certain things that you do in fandom that you do grow out of because they're more appealing to you as a, as a younger person. But then as you get older, you can remain fanish, but your relationship with fandom changes slightly, right? Like I remember when I was younger, there was a period of time where I like took a notebook to school and like wrote fan fiction at the cafeteria, which like kill me with fire um, obviously not something I do anymore or like I would talk like you would start a conversation with me and all I would talk about was like fucking like 
how I was a lesbian because of Dana Scully, which like lasted for a year and a half before David Duchovny dragged me back over to heterosexuality. Like, I feel like your relationship with fandom changes and I don't necessarily, the visual, the visual of me being 60 and still participating in fandom does not weird me out. I actually find it exciting because I'm curious to know like what fandom will look like by then. I guess that's true. It's not so much the like being 60 that worries me. It's the, the, the things that like, there's some things that I've already grown out of. Yeah. <laughs> and the idea that like, there are things that maybe I should grow out of that I won't that's the part that's scary to me but then that brings up the question of like what is should right like yeah what sort of things should you grow out of like I'm really discomfited by like con behavior right like and that's not to say that like cons are bad or people that go to cons are like bad it's not for you I'm it's really not for me right like I generally don't wear my fanishness on my sleeve in that particular manner like any single person who's ever interacted with me like knows that I'm a raging Star Wars nut and that I know way too much about like X, Y, and Z. But I'm, I'm, but I'm like not the type of person to like get dressed up and like go stand in line all weekend for what have you. You know, like it's just I don't know. That's like not the way I like to interact with fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is not something that I feel. That's not something that I feel like I would do now. It's not something I would do later. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, any fanish behavior that I currently engage in that, like, by the time I'm 60, it would be like, you have to stop, Prue. It's hard to say when you're in the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Fandom behavior changes over time, and I think, I hope that I'm still in fandom when I'm 60. It's a big part of my life. I really enjoy it. I try not to make it public. But, yeah, you know, it's it's always been a big part of my life. I hope it continues to stay that way. I feel like maybe the way that I interact with fandom will change in the sense that, like, when I was just starting out in fandom, I was really young, and obviously, like, the way you behave when you're really young is going to be different than when you age up. So I remember, like, I used to, like, write about a lot of personal stuff in Like, I would share a lot of personal stuff with fandom that, like, I would never, ever share um, now. And I think that I was easier to anger and easier to be hurt. But I mean, like, I was 15. Like, I don't blame myself for being, like, 15 and, like, when someone said something mean about me on the internet and I cried. Like, these days I would be called cyberbullying. Back then it was just, like, this little shit's throwing a hissy fit for whatever reason. Like, I think that maybe you age out of certain behaviors, but I don't know that I'll age out of fandom. At least I hope I don't. Like, you guys are fun. Yeah, I have a lot of fun in fandom, and I'd like to continue having fun. Yeah. Um, okay, next question from Teogli. Fantasy AUs. I love fantasy novels. I love fanfic. There's very little fantasy novel fanfic, or at least very little that I love. AUs are fusions to the rescue. Why are fusions so frequently more awesome than their fantasy novel source? I think, okay, this is, like, going to sound really weird, but there's a very special homogenous homogeneity what's that fucking word uh i need the rest of the sentence to tell you this correct so like the canon of fantasy literature like it's homogenous in a weird fucking like very specific way and i loved that when i was a kid but the more i read the more books i read that were fantasy books the more i was like okay but what else And I think uh, doing, like, a fusion AU or, like, a new twist on fantasy, like, even, I don't like Once Upon a Time, but I can see, 
Like the reason that I think it's so popular is because it's a whole new take on it and it expands like the typical fantasy type universe into something new. You just, you have to spice it up a little. And that's why for me, typical fantasy doesn't get a lot of attention in fandom. It's, there's nothing new there. I mean, like, I just hate fantasy, so I have no opinion on this whatsoever. Good. Okay. Anyways, I love fantasy, but I think it needs to change. Time Lady Mars. Have you guys considered doing a podcast about roleplay? Like, play-by-post, chat roleplay, roleplay vlogs, email roleplay, Omegle? I don't know what any of that is. I only have played, like, tabletop roleplay. Uh, you could, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know exactly what she's talking about. Um, I don't, I mean, like, it's never been a big part of my Finnish experience. Um, I'm, like, aware of it, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually, like, appeal to me. Um, I do, I think the closest that, like, you and I come to, like, interacting with, like, a sort of role play setup is when you're writing into, like, a G-chat window. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're group writing something. Mm, that's fair. But, yeah, but even then, you're not really role-playing, right? You're not inhabiting a character. You're all, like, just inhabiting a story. And it's more like a rapid-fire round robin. Like, I did actually do role-play before. Um, I don't know if anyone listening to this even remembers this, like, giant, sprawling role-play. But it was the um, Harry Potter uh, role-play. That was then. This is now. I played Remus Lupin in That Was Then. And... <laughs> Much to my delight, I did Mad-Eye Moody in This Is Now. Um, that Mad-Eye Moody was like, oh my god, the most fun. But I think the reason that I had to, like, even then, like, even then I had to bail. I know I was, like, in college back then. I had to bail because it was such a fucking time suck. Like, people, I don't, like, I don't know if people, like, did not go to class or I was a lot busier in college than I thought I was. Because people were constantly being like, where the fuck are you? You need to come and, like, play out this scene. And I was like, I have to go to work. Like, I can't, you know. So I think it lost its appeal just for me not being able to invest a lot of time in it. And ultimately speaking, it was also limiting. Because if you're role-playing, you're playing one character. And you can't control or um, you can pre-discuss, like, the scene with your role play partner but they're gonna have their own opinions they may do it in a way that you're like i'm not into this and you can't really say like well you're wrong because they have their own viewpoint of it right so that's why ultimately like i think i default more toward writing fanfic than role play but i again like i feel like that's our summary feeling on it um i don't necessarily know that we'll ever kind of revisit this topic in an episode i don't think we would have enough to say i mean i like a little tabletop gaming i'm working on a tabletop game right now but i mean like you said the the way that i really would enjoy this kind of thing is the the equivalent the typing fanfic into a gchat window and then having 20 something be like no you have to go for the neck and i'd be like fine and change the line yeah, and that's, like, that's less roleplay and more like a live beta. Yeah, which I I prefer writing that way, but, I mean... Absolutely. If somebody did that to me when I was playing D&D or something, I'd probably punch them. Exactly, because, like, they're... Because you're inhabiting your character. They're not inhabiting your character. So, like, they really shouldn't... I don't know. Like, it, it's a whole different dynamic. It's very, very... It's, like, sort of awkward and strange for me. Yeah. Um, next question, Moggies and Tea, 
Any interest in dystopias? Inspired by trying to explain thematic differences in Judge Dredd and Robocop and their differing origins in Thatcherite UK and the 1980s USA to my husband. Uh, I hate dystopias. I hate them so much I will never read one. If you put the word dystopia anywhere in the top half of an AO3 thing, I am backbuttoning out of there so fast. I feel like this is this is just like from the very thin smattering of dystopias I've ever had the misfortune of reading. I find that they're a very, they're very much the same way that like fantasy operates in my mind, right? Like when you call something a fantasy, it gives you an instant like free pass to not explain a bunch of stuff, right? And in fandom, as far as dystopias go, it seems that it's like an instant free pass to have all of this like terrible fucking shit happen and like to have all this goddamn built-in angst without having to earn anything related to that story. I'm like, I'm predisposed to not liking them because dystopian, dystopian stories <clears throat> have a tendency to like flourish in really hard sci-fi and fantasy, which like are two areas of fiction that I don't enjoy reading because I don't think that they're rooted enough in shared experiences for me to like find any of it emotionally resonant for me. So I think that with fanfic, you're like, you know, you're even more removed. Um, that being said, I think that really well done dystopias are really well done. And I think that really obvious examples of this are the Hunger Games, which oh. is a dystopian um, universe. And that is fucking brilliant. The books are unreadable to me for the writing style. But like the movies are great. The concept is great. Um, I think the story is great, even if I don't necessarily like her writing style. And then there's also a really profoundly wonderful YA novel that I think everyone should read um, called How I Live Now. They actually made a movie of it, which I don't recommend. Um, it was an award winner, and it's basically a story of a girl who gets sent to England to spend the summer with her extended family. Um, and while she's there, World War III breaks out. So amazingly written. It was the only book that I was assigned in college that I enjoyed. <laughs> Um, but wow. as a whole, like, I, I don't know, like very few dystopia, dystopian novels really like seize my attention. That's fair. I was trying to think of dystopias that I actually do like. Uh, I do like the Hunger Games movies though. They, I don't feel excited by them. I'm just like, oh, this is a decent movie when I watch them. Um, I loved Dark Angel. That's a dystopia. True, that's a dystopia. Right? That counts. That shit's great. Um, and I know that you have a certain amount of affection for being human. Uh, I do. I do have a certain amount of affection for being human. But I feel like being human is not actually... Um, also, no, not being human. You mean almost human? Sure, yeah, that's the one. The one with uh, the one with Bones and John yes, Kent. that okay. one. Um. Almost Human is the one where uh, we've got the android robot buddy cop movie. Um, I don't actually think that's a dystopia. That's just a, that's like a near future interpretation. Really? It felt yeah. very dystopian to me. It, it felt like it was shooting for like slightly cyberpunk, like we're headed in the direction of a dystopia, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyways, literally you can tell how much I don't like dystopias because that's all I could think of. Yeah, it's not, it, you know what, it's weird. I wonder, because I'm, I'm not against angst. There's just something very specific about, like, the sheer bleakness of, 
I don't know, world's gone completely to seed that, like, I'm not interested in seeing. I guess, like, on some fundamental level, like, there's a part of me that's like, I don't really believe that would happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I, just, I just don't buy into it. I don't know. It, 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 it does not appeal to us. And I doubt that we would probably do a larger episode about it. Sorry. Okay, now we have an Anon question that, like, literally after we got it, I messaged 20-something to be like, stop spamming our inbox. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she <laughs> actually meant it. Which means that somebody really sent this in and it wasn't her. Could you have a Q&A, but with only 20-something and other Slash Report guests asking questions, mostly 20-something, she's great. We could do that. Like, logistically, yes, we could do that. Will we do that? I don't really think we <laughs> want to invite that chaos into the universe. I think it would just be really dangerous. You know, like, we could do, like, individual author episodes the way we did with the Hoyden, but, like, the idea of having, like even three or four of the six of us on and having them answer these questions. Like, I just, I just want to kill myself. I I don't know. I would pay good money just to like listen to 20 something and Lepagus. No, Lepagus <laughs> is like the nightmare in this situation. Like, I'm real sorry, Gus. She, you know, it's not her fault that she's like a severe drunky McDrunkerson and probably like the only person we've ever banned from the podcast. <laughs> At any rate, somebody out there loves 20-something. Who doesn't? I mean, everybody. But someone specifically has a bit of a hard-on. I, I know I do. <laughs> Good. Um, another Anon. Hi. So I only recently discovered this podcast, so I apologize if this is a common or already answered question. But I was just wondering if you guys had any tips for getting into live journal fandom. Which, like, side note, I think we've gotten that question twice in the ever, like, ever, and I find it really weird. Okay. <laughs> I'm still kind of a fanish whippersnapper. I only got into fandom in a real way about two years ago, and LJ was always way too intimidating, slash, I just didn't quite get it. Now that I'm a bit more experienced, it's really got my attention, but I just can't seem to figure out how to get involved. Help? My advice, time travel to the year 2002. I know, I'm so sad for you, Anon. It's basically, like very little happens on live journal anymore, which might be why you're finding it kind of difficult. Um, we've talked a little bit about the fragmentation of fandom and how it goes in phases where like everybody splits up over like 10 platforms and then they kind of converge again eventually. And we're in a fragmentation phase right now. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I think the problem, and MK nailed it, like if you're having trouble getting into LJ fandom, it's literally because it's not really there anymore. Um, there's, like, fucking tumbleweeds and shit in, like, the old corner. I, like, have not logged into LiveJournal in more than a year. Yeah. And this is, like, with me, and I actively have a hate boner for Tumblr. Like, <laughs> I spend more of my, tum I spend more of my, like, fanish time on Tumblr now than I do on LJ. And, like, I fucking hate Tumblr. So you can sort of, like, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one. Like, I feel like there are some areas of fandom that are still on the discussion communities, and there's some people who are still um, on the journaling systems, but nowhere near as robust as they used to be. One of, sadly, one of the only things that still does live in the journal spaces. Uh, non-memes. Non-memes, which, like, don't do that, Anon, friendly Anon. Like, don't be that person. Don't. Um, those are the worst. Yeah. So, I don't know. And, and I think it's, it's more like, um, at this point, you should look at the question of, 
well, what were you hoping to get out of the LJ fandom, right? Like, was it meta? Like, if so, you're fucked. Like, no one really does meta anymore. Um, like, as I rock on my rocking chair and, like, on my old war wound kicks up and I, like, tell those kids to get off my lawn, I just remember, like, the golden old days where, like, an episode would air and there'd be, like, I, I would know that if I went um, if I went home the day afterward, I could go on to my friends list or my reading list and see, like, four or five really interesting, smart breakdowns of, like, what had happened in the episode and, like, in the comments, there'd be like interesting discussion and people bringing up good, oh, it was so beautiful back then. And it's all gone. It's gone forever. <laughs> Your pain is real. Uh, the struggle is so real, MK. I know. I just, I never enjoyed Meta. So I, I don't That's care. Right. I loved Meta. And people who like, other old people who used to know me on LJ and Dreamwith probably remember I used to write a lot of like episode summary and meta uh, meta posts, which I actually miss doing. But like, there's nowhere for it anymore. It there's like no on. space for it. The future has moved on. Yeah. So I guess what we're saying is we wouldn't worry so much about trying to get into LJ fandom. I think that what you should just do is like. Figure out what you sort of want out of fandom and then figure out where, what you want lives. Like if you're into fanfic, like go hang out on AO3. If you're really into like discussion, weirdly, I think most of that has moved to Twitter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like if you're into like Tumblr, go with God, be into Tumblr. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, another Anon, splitting this into two semi-related questions. I'm in a fandom, which shall remain nameless, which seems to have an ongoing rivalry with another large fandom. At first, there wasn't a lot of overlap in fans, but I know of more people these days who are fanish about both shows, and the Flame Wars are still going. I've never encountered this before, and was curious if you know any of any past fandom wars. One, I bet you're talking about Sherlock and Elementary. I was just thinking about that. I was like, there is no other... There's nothing else currently that fits this question. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's, you are in one of those fandoms. Um, I mean, there have been small rivalries. But it's not usually about, like, the fandom itself. It's usually about, like, ship wars within the fandom, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like Sherlock and, to some extent, you could actually argue that Sherlock in Elementary is also a ship war. Because it's very much, like, still within the shirt, like, not the BBC Sherlock, but still within, like, the Sherlock Holmes fandom. But you just, like, like two different versions of it. So it's, like, either the Gatiss Moffat ship or the CBS Studios ship. Oh, my God. Um, you know what this is? This is, like, when, I mean, I've been in this war where it's, like, I only like this person when they bought him. And you're wrong if you don't support that. Because it's these two different characterizations of essentially the same people. Yeah, I mean, I, I find that, I find the particular kind of, and we're just, like, assuming that this is, like, Sherlock versus Elementary. Sorry, Anon. Like, <laughs> um, but I find that, like, that particular, like, contratops is, like, really odd. Like, why the fuck do you care if someone else likes a thing? Right? Right. Just, like, fucking climb off your goddamn high horse. And, like... Just, it's none of your business what other people like. Just, like, leave them alone. Like, you have your thing and you're happy. Great. They have their thing and they're happy. It's, 
You know, like they're not even like shipping your dude with another person. Like you're literally arguing for the same thing. So it's straight people who are against gay marriage. I'm not making straight people get gay married. I just want other people to be able to enjoy that right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I've never come across something quite like this before. Yeah. Uh, it's also weird that it's specifically the elementary show and the BBC Sherlock show, right? Like all the other millions of Sherlock like sort of not iterations involved have not at all. generated this. Yeah, I, I don't know. Fucking weird. Okay. Oh, but you know what? I just did think of one example of this. Uh-huh. Trek. Oh, yeah, I guess there's, like, old Trek versus new Trek. But let's be real. As much as I love old Trek, if you go back and try to read that shit, it's fucking weird. Well, it's not even the fanfic itself, right? Like, the even the people who are just purists about the original series or the original shows versus the J.J. Abrams movie. That's, like, a huge um, schism within the fandom. I always find that weird because I feel like um, Gene Roddenberry you know, was okay with all sorts of different Star Treks being made as long as they kind of upheld his values. And while new Star Trek doesn't uphold those values, there's a million problems with it. It's still another take on it, and that's interesting, and there's still value there. Yeah, but you literally just answered the reason why people are angry about new Trek in your answer about why are people, why are people angry about new Trek? I understand that they can be angry. I just don't think that they have the right to like tell someone else that like, if you like new Trek, you're an asshole. Right. I mean, no one has the right to do that period. But like, this is the whole thing about how one of the, one of the elements of like fandom, fanboyishness, fangirlishness, whatever is really, really unattractive and that we've never really managed to drum out of the thing is that it is really obvious that there are a lot of people in fandom who were treated pretty badly and for not fitting in when they were younger. And after they found something that they did fit in with, they have started replicating the behavior of their bullies. So it's not you getting shoved into the locker by the football team anymore. It's you yelling at someone because they're doing fandom wrong, which every time you feel the urge to do that to someone, just remember that you can have your own opinion. That's fine. And you can like yell, you can yell about it to yourself and to your friends, but you can never ever be disrespectful to other people about it because you're just engaging in the same garbage that you probably did not like when you were younger. Yeah, basically. Okay, now, part two. Among my group of friends, some fandoms have developed certain stereotypes. For example, there's one fandom whose fangirls seem very melodramatic and seem to start wank every hiatus as their internal conflicts spread out into the internet. Supernatural. That is Um, not supernatural. I see a lot of that shit on my dash. I'm real sorry. That is not super, like, as someone actually in Supernatural fandom, like, I've never seen that. I've seen a lot of it. Anyways, my question is... Do you think some shows attract a certain type of fan? Do some fandoms encourage certain behavior? Or are we just being unfair in blaming an entire fandom for a vocal few? Hard to say. I would say the latter. Probably. But at the same time, I think of things like, why is NCIS fandom so fucked up? Well, here's the thing, though. Like, NCIS fandom is probably not so fucked up. You and I read a very specific corner of it. Like, we've never, like, be honest, like, you've never done, like, a broad-ranging search of NCIS fandom. Half of NCIS fandom is in the comments of the TV line posts about NCIS spoilers. And those guys, like, are 
really into like Ziva and Tony and like have a totally different outlook on fandom. That's true. Though I think Ziva is dead or off the show now. Yes, I know. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. What I'm saying is that our perception of it being really fucked up is because of our very specific frame of reference. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, there's always the problem with the vocal view. Just just ignore it. Keep doing your thing. I, and sometimes it's really hard to ignore it and keeping doing your thing, but, like, you can't let other people, like, ruin your fun for you, right? Like, I'm in a bunch of fandoms that are just, like, surrounded, like, not even surrounded. I'm in a bunch of fandoms where there are just uh, some, there is a vocal minority that likes to kick up a lot of dust, right? And <laughs> Natural is one of them. I'm also in Sherlock. Like, there's just, like, there are problems. There's problems, but I still enjoy Sherlock as a fandom. I still enjoy Supernatural as a fandom, and it's because I have very selective blindness about this sort of thing. Like, I don't want to get involved, so I'm just going to, like, walk away, give a wide berth to that argument, whatever it is. Yeah, okay. Let's move on. (laughs) Hi, this is a question from Prue, which she'll hopefully not hate to answer. Oh, good. In reading some of her brilliant SPN fic, I noticed that on more than one occasion, Sam is portrayed as having one-sided-ish, almost helpless feelings towards Dean. Watson, stop that. Um, That's her cat, guys. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I wondered if that hailed from some point in time in which Prue shipped Wincest, if such a thing ever happened, or if that's just how she sees Sam in general. So, to answer your first part first, I've never shipped Wincest. I Um, have. Pardon? I have. Okay. Well, I've never shipped Wincest, but I do read that as, um, that is the way that I read Sam's character. I don't know that there's, like, a ton of current fandom backing for this, like, and by which I mean, like, the canon itself, ever since first season ended, does not really support this point of view. But if you, like, dial all the way back in the Wayback Machine to the pilot, which is, like, where my sort of, like, my fanish bones for Supernatural still come from. Um, Sam Winchester has really, really complicated relationships with his family, uh, but that doesn't seem to have stopped him from, like, running away from his brother and finding a girlfriend who, A, looks exactly like what Dean would look like if he was a lady, (laughs) and who has the same birthday as him. This is canon. I'm not making this shit up. As far as I'm concerned, Jess is just, like, Sam sublimating his, like, incestuous love for his brother, like, so fucking hard. It came out the other side as, like, a straight man. Like, I don't... So, um, that is the way that I read that character. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I've, I feel like I've held on to that belief since, like, the very, very beginning. Um, once upon a time when I thought that Supernatural was gonna end in season five... (laughs) I had written only one SPN fic, and it was, um, it doesn't mean you can explain the ocean. And the whole premise of that story was that Sam is secretly in love with Dean, and he's building up the courage to kind of, like, try and say something about it, and the universe intervenes to be like, nah, nah, bro, you can't. Don't so, do Yeah. I, I, that's the way I read that character. I, I don't know if anybody else feels that way. It's just, like, kind of, like, this is my jam. I'm going to spread it on my toast. This is interesting. Okay, so this is a thing that, like, I'm not sure if you have the same problem as me, but when I get into a fandom, like, my real foundation for it is always the first season or even just the first couple of episodes and, like, whatever premise that they were, like, designing the show on. 
Yeah. But one of my problems is frequently after like two seasons, they're like, well, we've changed our minds and we're going to do like X, Y, and Z that like completely go against the original premise. Um, so for instance, like Merlin, I feel like they really lost track because originally it was supposed to be all the stuff that happens before Arthur is king, while Uther is still on the throne, like before Merlin is Merlin. Before the myth begins, right? Yeah, that was their premise. And then yeah. they lost that real fast. And it that's like when I got bored with the show because I was like, well, it's no longer interesting to me. Yeah. Anyways, that was just a sidebar. It's a good sidebar. Okay, next one. Another Anon. Everyone's Anon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, what do you slash reporters think of fan fiction being put up on Goodreads? Freaky crossing of the streams or something that doesn't bother you at all? I guess this question might be more relevant for Prue, seeing as some of her fics are up there. A lot of my fic is up there. Um, I think this is like a two-part answer. Number one, I think it's a freaky crossing of the streams. I'm really, really uncomfortable with it. I don't particularly like it. But at the same time, I'm also aware that that stuff is out there on the internet publicly. So whatever you guys want to do with it, like, beyond, after, like, I fucking, like, whoosh, go, fly into the wind, little fanfic, is kind of, like, out of my hands. It's the same way that I never, ever try to, like, explain myself when someone, like, completely reads my stories wrong, which you guys do a lot. Um, it's because, you know, like, it's out there. Like, if you're going to find it, you're going to find it. Like, I don't fucking like it that it's on Goodreads. And I know a lot of people really, really dislike it that it's on Goodreads. But I also think that you're kidding yourself if you can somehow like stem that and people interact with fandom like we talked about in the beginning in really different ways like some people actually really like having that shit on goodreads i find it like creepy as fuck but you know whatever this might just be because as far as i know it doesn't affect me but like i have zero interest in goodreads so like this would just never bother me because i know that people use it but to me i'm like why i don't get it i just don't get the point of goodreads uh, let's see if you are on Goodreads. Oh, good. Um, it's, you're on Goodreads. Alright. It still doesn't bother me. I, man, you guys just go be you. You do you. <laughs> you do you, boo. Alright, next. I just realized I still have no idea exactly what the Alpha Pack wanted. Derek? Scott? Both? Did they know what Scott was before they came or only after? Either way, how did they know Scott was a true Alpha at all? So confused, 3A. Uh, I have no idea. I've still only ever seen, like, four episodes of Teen Wolf. I've, I've read some summaries. That Alpha Pack stuff seemed to be... To me, it seemed like they put, like, one story into 3A and then kind of sidetracked and split into six other stories that seemed unrelated. That's my impression from Tumblr. I, I, I can't help you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I have no answer. Note how I just, like, didn't even make noises. Yeah, you don't even know what they're talking about. I barely no. <laughs> know what they're talking about. I was like, you're talking about alphas, so I would have to assume that this is MK's, like, werewolf bestiality fandom in play. Yep. <laughs> but I only know a little bit about it. This is one of those, Teen Wolf is one of those shows that I was like, I love the premise of season one. And then they were like, we've changed the premise. And I was like, I don't care anymore. I still remember, like, I was, oh, man, I don't know why this happened, but, oh, it was because I was trapped in the fucking airport for, forever. Oh, good. Not as bad as, like, Lepicus had it recently, but, like, um, when I was trapped in the airport trying to get to, like, goddamn Canada recently, I was so bored 
that I downloaded a bunch of like old Slash Report episodes and I was no. listening to them. And I listened to the Teen Wolf one and I still like the memory, the visceral memory of you being like, some people are like boyfriends, prove, but like Derek and Styles are like, they're like mated. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> sweet summer child memories of yours. What a bray. Like, I stand by that opinion. 100% emotional commitment to absolute hogwash at that point. Like, and now, ever more so. And like, just. Wasn't there also something about Styles and like never kiss a girl and how you guys were so thrilled about that? That was literally something that like fucking Jeff Davis or whoever was like, Styles will never become a werewolf and he'll never kiss a girl. Guess what? He like fully had sex in a crazy situation and has like kissed multiple ladies. And I'm like, you bastard. Well, now he gets to be a werewolf then, I guess. I guess. That's like what I can only assume happens next. <laughs> he becomes the next true alpha. Oh, good. Great. Another Anon. Confession. Oh, this one's for you. Oh. I fucking... Oh my god, if it starts with confession, I'm worried already. I fucking hate trigger warnings and will unfollow anyone who uses them non-ironically. I don't object to the idea behind them, but the only times I've seen them used is to stir up wank or by drama queens looking for attention. I've never spoken to someone with a legitimate use for them, so I don't even feel bad about this confession. Except you were a non-anon, so you must have felt a little bit of weirdness. Well, it's not like, here's the thing. I think a lot of times when people go anon on stuff like this, it's not because they genuinely feel bad about their opinion. It's because they're aware of what's going to happen if you own that opinion, right? Like, no one is allowed to say that they don't like trigger warnings, that they don't like content warnings. Like, so this is a fun thing. A lot of what I know about Anon memes comes from the fact that I track tags on Pinboard. I do not go looking for this garbage. It comes and finds me out of the fucking muck of the internet. Because there are various Anon memes out there that will Pinboard tag the fanfic that they talk about. And sometimes it is in pairings that I follow, or even better, it's like stories that I wrote. So I remember one of the ones that was like hilarious is that someone recently, um, I don't know, they tagged some thick of mine and one of the comments appended to it was like, I have an irrational hatred for Rage Proof Rock because she refuses to tag any of her stories anything. <laughs> so I, you know what, Anon, regarding trigger warnings, like I'm I'm not fully committed to your point of view, but I like really, really understand it. I remember once upon a time when people put warnings on stories, it was done as a courtesy and it was done because the author felt that there was something in the story that was like going to be upsetting to you. And people like accepted that, but also accepted that there are things that, you know, like other people are not going to be able to anticipate that would be upsetting to you. Right. Uh, and so people were very, very courteous about it. These days, I think that that's kind of gone by the wayside where like if you don't tag or you tag some things, but not for other things, people like will flip out on you. And I know that that's not universal, but I see it more frequently than I should. Um, and I think that there's a very strong sense that if you refuse to participate, like if that you're not somehow like super, super cognizant of all of this and instantaneously apologetic, like even before you have anything to be apologetic for you're somehow transgressing like fandom rules. And I think that for a lot of authors, that's not a big deal. Like if you leave them a comment and you're like, I'm really upset by this. Can you tag this? They'll be like, yeah, that's fine. 
Um, I don't like that at all. Like, and that is, and if you guys have ever wondered why, like, I don't tag for pairings, I don't tag for X, I don't tag for Y, it's because if you look at a story of mine and it's tagged for nothing, then people make automatic assumptions in the sense that, like, oh, there could be stuff in here that uh, would warrant a trigger warning in my mind that she's not tagging for. So I guess I'll be more careful about it. It, like, just opts me out of that conversation entirely. So... I will probably continue not to tag anything because like I do not want to participate in that conversation at all. Okay. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, so I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. I mean, like, and I know that a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I also, there are certain things that are just like an issue of scale. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like once upon a time, when you were writing stories and MK, this like, this happens to you specifically, right? Like once upon a time when you were writing stories and you were getting like 15 pieces of feedback and like maybe a person had like some sort of correction or thought in the comments, you would not have been bothered by it. But now in a world where you're getting like a lot more feedback and a lot more people coming at you with stuff, you have a very different reaction to it. That's true. I'm more likely now to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. And like, and this is really like, you know, this does not, like, this doesn't sound great or whatever, but, like, I get way, like, I get so much crap in my inbox all the time. Yeah. So, it's not happening, guys. That's fair. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Renquies, longtime listener, first time caller, etc., etc. Oh my god. <laughs> I just want to say that the manga slash Tujinji episode is to blame for one, making me laugh way too hard in the middle of a gym environment over penis-related things. Good job. Good job. And two, <laughs> confirming that I have entered that fandom grandma stage where I am sitting in my metaphorical porch and shaking my metaphorical cane at the young'uns, who have it easy when it comes to acquiring manga without the tribulations of IRC and borders, which is to say, thank you. I know. You can come, you can just pull up your rocking chair with me and MK, buddy. Yeah. Every time I think about, like, how much time I spent in high school and university scantlating, and, like, people would complain that it was on IRC and we didn't have a direct download, and I'm like, that shit's hard! Yeah. You just appreciate these scantlations. Fandom is filled with fucking entitled people. Really, really, really entitled people. And that is a thing that has not changed. It has gotten worse, if anything. Well, what are you gonna do? Um, you should be better about it, you guys, but you're not going to be, so what the fuck? Yeah. Volatile hearts. Um, are you still taking almost human questions? No. <laughs> Does the prop department make anyone else laugh really hard? I saw a tool used in... Wait, did you answer this on the episode? Uh, no, we didn't. Okay. Um, I saw a tool used in marine biology to measure salinity scanning a sex pot in skins, and a small light-up magnet toy that entertained my third-grade self for hours was used to blow up the precinct in the pilot. Sometimes things look really futury, then other times not so much. But in all seriousness, what do you think about Fox airing the episodes out of order? Bad omen or just annoying as hell? Well, I think we know now, having had it been canceled, that it was a bad omen. And I think that, um, to be fair, I didn't know that they were airing them out of order until, like, uh, Ayaleska told me, like, profoundly, repeatedly, and over and over again, and let me know what order they were supposed to go in. But I think one of the problems is, is that it, 
it's television, which means that you should be able to enjoy the episodes as episodes, right? Like if you, if I have to see something in a particular order to like the show, that is probably not a very successful show for the most part. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to say to that. I feel like it probably didn't help because it threw like all sorts of character development stuff into whack. But overall, like the show was not terribly strong and I don't think that reordering them would have helped it. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I only watched, I think two episodes and I was like, this is boring. Yeah. Um, Anand, I loved your last manga episode. I haven't read any in a bit, but I remember Whistle in middle school being the only point in my life that I was reading anything having to do with sports. And yeah, Hikaru no Go was fucking adorable. Oh my god, Whistle! I read a lot of Whistle in a very short period of time, and it was bad. It was bad for me. I didn't read Whistle, I watched Whistle. And I got really, really into it really, really fast, and then like flamed out of it in like two months yeah that's what happened to me it was like a two-month love affair and then nothing yeah exactly uncracked spine said hey long time listener first time caller yada yada first off i listened to your brooklyn 99 episode and i spent the next week on marathoning the entire first season i'm hooked good for you yeah good for you thanks a lot (laughs) real ask you guys mentioned some manga readers and aggregators in your last episode can you talk more in depth about the various readers and aggregators you would recommend? Any we should avoid? Thanks. I feel like we linked to these on the... I'm just going to check. Oh my god, that was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, we didn't, because we're dumbasses. Okay. Uh, I think we both use the same iPhone app as a reader, which is Manga Storm. Yes, that would be correct. And it's on Android and iOS, which is, like, going to cover most of your cell phone requirements. Yeah, and if you're on Windows Phone, like, no one can help you. Um, And in Manga Reader, or rather, in Manga Storm, it links to... It sources stuff from a number of different manga aggregators, so... Uh, all of them are kind of there. And I wouldn't say that, like, one is better or worse than the other. They just kind of are. Yeah, they have, like, slight, like, they have a lot of overlap and then, like, a few things that are different. So just figure out which one or ones work best for you. Yeah. It's very personal. (laughs) Although, here's a question for you, MK. Every time you go into Manga Storm, they're always, like, set your location. I never do that. Yeah, don't do that, guys, because this is terrible. We shouldn't be saying this. But generally what they're trying to do is figure out whether or not the manga is licensed in your region. And uh, just just don't tell them where you are. <laughs> just just don't. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, don't just worry about it. Just keep hitting no. Yep. Next question. Maggie's and <laughs> Tea. Having just listened to most of the Almost Human podcast, woo, our commute. I have to say yes to the excessive world building. It throws me out of a story so fast. One pan-genre sci-fi and fantasy author I found who does amazing world building and then just throws you in head first is John M. Ford, who also wins the award for best Star Trek novel ever if you like musical comedies transposed on human-slash-Klingon mineral conflicts. Yeah, that says mineral conflicts. I was so sad when Ford passed away. Um... Is this lady, like, friends with Marilyn? 
a musical comedy in space that is probably depressing just sounds like something she might like. That's true. We did spend, like, so last night, Mare and I went out, um, partied hard, and then closed out our evening at, like, a fucking burger joint, um, drinking alcoholic milkshakes, and she spent a really long time trying to convince me that theater is not dumb, and specifically musical theater, and we've, we've given up. We basically just admit that we, like, don't get each other's stuff. Uh, but thank you for that rec. I've never heard of that guy. Um, for people who are science fiction fantasy readers, you might want to check him out. He sounds pretty legit. Yeah, that seems cool. Um, Anon. Hannibal Season 2, Episode 4, Spoilers. Uh, so anyone who doesn't want spoilers, skip ahead like two minutes. Stupid things like sneak into a suspected cannibal's house without telling anyone to look for evidence that will probably <laughs> be inadmissible anyway. And then, after finding that evidence, not get the fuck out, but go into his murder basement like WTF. No way Bev is that stupid. Zeller, maybe. Kill him. No one likes him anyway. Why? Like, the only conceivable reason I can think of is to motivate Will and make Jack feel guilty, but we already had Abigail and Miriam for that. I don't know anything that you just said, but that sounds fucked up. Uh, well, first of all, I think that this, for people who are like, what is this referring to? This is referring to the fact that Beverly, the Asian female member of the forensics team on Hannibal, was murdered during season two, um, because, in part because she was helping Will while he was still in the asylum, try to figure out, like, who the Minnesota or who this killer was. Um, and ends up realizing that it's Hannibal through a series of conversations with Will and breaks into his house. I agree with a couple of these points, which is just that, like, it's absurd. Like, there's no reason that she should be doing that in its current format. Like, why would you, again, like, why would you break into the house if you found anything, you couldn't use it? Uh, why would you go into a dark basement, unsupervised, whatever? All of these things are true. My only real rebuttal to it is that I feel like until you understand how evil Hannibal is, you or not even evil, until you realize how horrifying Hannibal is, you can't understand how horrifying he is, right? Like, there's no concept of him. You would never assume that, like, a person would be this way until you actually, like, see the holistic truth of him. So I think that maybe Beverly did that stuff is because she didn't think that like, you don't imagine that someone could commit the things that Hannibal does. And I think a lot of it, like you don't even know the, the extent of his, um, the extent of uh, his crimes at that point. Right. So I think that maybe you just like, don't really have any sort of context for how dangerous the situation it is you're getting yourself into. As far as the, like, fridging complaints and stuff that came up a lot after um, she died, I've been on the record as saying, like, I don't believe she was fridged. Um, and the actress who played her is also on the record as thinking that she doesn't feel like Bev was fridged. I don't think Bev was fridged. I don't think Brian Fuller did, owes anybody shit or, like, did anything wrong. Um, Hannibal is a show where a lot of people die. Yes, it does suck that it was Bev who died. But I don't think that that means Zeller is going to, like, you know, live forever either. Uh, we did open season two with Hannibal stabbing a giant chunk of glass into someone's neck. Um, so it's not like it's not like people survive. I do think that there's, like, 
leeway to argue that it could have been handled better, which I 100% agree with. But overall, like, I don't think it was a fridging thing. I don't think it was used to motivate Will. I, as you said, Abigail is already there. There are a lot of other elements there of motivation. So I think it was just like another gory death in many, many to come, hopefully, as Hannibal continues its trek into my heart. Oh, you're so creepy. Oh my god, that show is so good, but like so fucked up. Well, you know that I'm not allowed to watch it, so. Oh my god, it's so good. So fucked up. It's like the exact same reason I'm not allowed to watch Dexter. <laughs> um, Nomical. I'm 90% sure that the reason Merlin fandom still exists is the never-ending circle of angst with Arthur's death and Merlin having to wait for a thousand years. If they had ended the show with them reuniting in modern-day England, or hell, even space would do, then we could have closure. But as it is, we're stuck waiting with Merlin until that asshole that ruined everyone's lives returns, and that is why Arthur Pendragon is the one character death I'll never be over. Uh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> I have very confused feelings about Merlin, because, I, I don't know, I feel like the fandom is just barely alive. Like, it's it's mostly dead, guys. It's pretty much over. I've seen some stuff on my dash and been like, oh, I still have all these feelings. But, like, you know, as we said earlier, they kind of lost the premise of that show, like, halfway through. Yeah. So, for me, that's kind of when it died. And, I mean, Arthur, that asshole, he'll come back. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I feel like I, I totally understand the Adnan's feelings on that, or I don't even know if it was an Adnan. I totally understand that person's feelings on it, but I feel like I just have a completely different point of view on that because I'm angry they didn't show the reunion, but like I have no doubt that it happens. Yeah. Uh, so I, feel I guess totally. I'm not upset about it for that reason. Like I'm upset because like they could have closed it on an on an upbeat note and they chose instead to close it on that. <laughs> And, I mean, it's a children's show, so yeah. it kind of is, like, extra fucked up. So inappropriate for a children's show. That aired at, like, what, 8 p.m. on Sunday? That's, like, when they used to air Fraggle Rock. I think it actually aired at, like, 7. I don't know. It just it just wasn't okay. right, man. Or The Muppet Show, because I used to have to stay up late to watch The Muppet Show. Alrighty, then. Anyways, next one, Anon. Regarding almost humans' nonsensical episodic nature and lack of building story arcs, Fox, in their typical stupidity, aired the episodes wildly out of their intended order. I'd recommend watching it in the intended order, not aired order. The show had a much better build, connects better, and is far less choppy in its intended viewing order. Even if you've already seen the show, it makes a huge difference. I mean, this this goes back to my, like, original point, where, like, I totally understand that having it air out of order makes it harder to build like a co a cogent like emotional or narrative arc but i think that it is also entirely valid to say that as medium episodic television should be entertaining and um interesting and draw viewers whether you like it should be good whether or not you see it all in the episodic order right because assume that not everyone is going to have started watching it from the beginning or started watching it in the right order. A lot of people see shows in syndication for the first time, but there's something good enough about them and interesting enough about them that they will keep watching them, even if they're not being aired in any particular order. So I feel like 
uh, there's a lot of merit to that argument, but in the end, like, I'm not surprised that it was canceled. Um, and I don't think it was wrong to cancel it. I just don't think it was a very good show. Yeah. Okay. Um, anonymous catching up on the death episode. Curious if any of you have watched a single man and what are your thoughts about it? I totally watched the painted veil and a single man back to back in one (laughs) awful weekend, 48 hours of ugly crying. (laughs) I haven't seen either of those, but now that you've said ugly crying for 48 hours, I don't think I can do it. Oh my God. So a single man, definite ugly crying, uh, painted veil, also ugly crying. You are a fool, <laughs> a dehydrated fool. Good. That's all? You just, like, keep crying? There's there, there's nothing to say about that. Like, if you're going to go watch A Single Man and then also The Painted Veil, like, in close proximity, like, it's like doing heroin. You know the natural reaction and the response that you're going to get. You know what's going to happen. It's not good. Good. Go, go team. Okay. Um, Volatile Hearts. My Fanish adjacent friend wants to start watching Supernatural. That's a mistake. (laughs) She's never seen it before, and despite breaking off my emotional abusive relationship with that show, I promised her I would go down that path with her. We planned a marathon party to make it through as much as possible in one weekend. Any tips or condolences possibly? Okay, my condolences... This question was probably sent to us, like, forever ago. I'm assuming you've already done this, and, you know... That you're both dead as a result. Like, basically, you both died of dehydration (laughs) and crying and, like, regret. Um, here's my recommendation. I would... I would... I mean, like, I would need to do a little bit more research to actually give you, like, a good episode skip list. But I would say probably focus more heavily in... You can watch a larger percentage of those seasons one through four episodes and then skip a lot more after you go past season five. Because as much as I enjoy some of, like, the cracktacular arcs that existed after uh, season five, a lot of them don't end up going anywhere and a lot of them are sort of recursive and some of them just like kind of eat their own butts like an Ouroboros of like what the fuck is happening uh <laughs> sorry eat your own butts is like the least fancy description of Ouroboros <laughs> I've ever heard they always make it sound so cool and you just made it sound like you know like a little kid with a weird anal fixation Thank you. That's disgusting. Way to make a pedo, you pervert. Um, But, I mean, like, Godspeed. Like, I hope you guys have a lot of tissues. I assume that if you guys have already done this, then you're at the point where just the opening bars of Carry On My Wayward Son will make you, like, burst into heaving sobs. So, you know, like, way to live right. Go ahead. Um, my other major tip is no matter how tempted you are in mid season six, just to blow off the rest of the series, you can't, you have to hold on. You have to watch the French mistake because it's like the greatest hour of television ever. And then you can skip a lot of season nine, but I am actually like fully back in it to win it with supernatural as of the last minute of season nine, unfortunately. Amazing. You're the worst so hard you should just you need to just break up i can't 
Okay, guys. Um, I know we said that we would do one Ask Me Anything episode, but then I made MK count how many questions we had. It was a lot. So we decided that probably in the interest of your uh, phone download speeds and everything else, we're going to break it up into two episodes. So we're closing part one or part A of our Ask Us Anything episode here. Um, Catch us on the flip side for part B. And during the middle of the week, if you miss us and our craziness, you can find us on Twitter at Slash Report or on Tumblr at Slash Report, even though we don't post anything there. I am on Twitter at Often Imprudent, and MK is on Twitter at Moonclutz. Uh, and that about wraps us up for this week. So we'll catch you next week then.